All right, you can edit at whatever point you want from this point on. Yeah. Okay. Hello and welcome to Shoot the Piano Player, a French New Wave podcast. I am Spencer and listen, Joel, I will contact the, the man with the pink socks just in due time. Mm. Like, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's very important. That. Do you think he was asking that because he was he didn't want to like clash with them because he's always wearing he's also wearing pink socks or no wait that was a different person was it the same person uh could because be? he was like that was the guy that was like asking him about a job right yes and then he is wearing pink socks for some reason maybe it was just in style back then or maybe, maybe. he was a doppelganger <laughs> oh my god <gasps> all right. Like so, the movie Doppelganger, starring Drew Barrymore. Oh, that's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that, Jessica? I have not. I need to. Oh, um, it, well, it's famous to uh, on certain sites, unfortunately. But it, there's a, a like there's a nude scene in it. But uh-huh. let's yeah. But it's it's generally really odd and like, I guess it's a rock thriller. I don't know what you'd even call it. And then the last 20 minutes, something happens where you're like, well, nothing, not, this doesn't fit what, 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 what preceded <laughs> it in any way at all. <laughs> in the best way. Yeah, be- uh, best I'm to sold. go in blind. Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. It's going at the top of the list now. And if you're a fan of the DC uh, animated films, the voice of Superman is the, is, is the guy in it. I think it's a voice Superman. I have to double check. The weird roommate guy. It does like yeah. D- DC stuff. Okay. Well, I'm glad he landed on his feet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this is a uh, the a special episode, random episode. It we're two, we're three seasons in. It doesn't really matter anymore. So this is an episode on possession. I chose it because I realized Zulowski made moves in France. And he worked with French actors who are probably associated with French New Wave people, so therefore, it qualifies. It's a, you you sell your own product on this. I'm, you know. <laughs> yeah, like once I realized uh, this was a French movie, a French co-produced movie, I was like, oh well, this is reason enough to cover it. And uh, yeah, so I asked um, a writer, critic. Um, cosplay person um uh jessica scott to uh join us and well uh welcome jessica thank you so much i'm excited to be here oh uh yeah so uh when i mentioned possession uh why 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 did you want to talk about this movie um, I saw it for the first time in the past year or year and a half and was just blown away by it i became obsessed with it and wanted to talk about it as much as I could, but I haven't had a chance to talk about it on a podcast. I haven't had a chance to write about it yet. Um, so I was really excited for the opportunity to be on this podcast and to talk about it. Cause I think it's, um, just an incredible movie It has one of the most fearless performances I've ever seen. And I just, uh, am really excited to talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd seen this before a couple of years ago and, it's one of those I heard about the penis monster. I heard about like it's so crazy, and usually 
uh, I've seen enough movies where it's like, okay, the, the one part is crazy, and the, this movie was like, oh, that this was people weren't lying. This is legit, like intense and unnerving the entire time. Like th- this wasn't this wasn't bullshit. <laughs> And, uh, uh, yeah, so, Joel, had you seen this before? Uh, yeah, I mean, before we were recording, uh, I was talking about how I feel like every horror person talks about possession, like, this is the secret movie that everybody has somehow secretly seen or something like that. Like, uh, like you said, the sex tentacle monster thing which when when we got to the actual scene that I think people must be talking about I I, I think I'd built it up so much in my brain that uh, when it, it happens I'm like oh okay well I get yeah I don't know I feel like uh, the, what, what do I want to say I don't want to say I've seen worse but because it's not it's not a level of like good versus bad kind of thing but yeah uh but I didn't because it was implied sexuality. No, nobody ever implied to me that the this that particular part was um, not not like a, a rape scene. Like I, 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 it was always seemed like it was implied that this monster was gonna uh, r- rape the main actress, and I guess you could you could certainly see it that way. But she she's into it in the scene. <laughs> I don't I don't know what to say. Uh, it's weird. And uh, I was not in a hurry to see it, but uh, yeah, you know me. I'm glad I watched it, of course. Yeah. I think it's interesting that people focus on the monster so much, because to me, that is so secondary. To me, this is like a realistic, authentic depiction of what it feels like to go through a divorce. Um, And to me, I almost almost forget that the monster is in it because it's so secondary to the rest of the film to me. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it definitely. Yeah, I'd argue the scariest part is the arguments where they, you know, start throwing stuff around the room and cutting themselves with, with like the, uh, with like the with like turkey carvers and shit. <laughs> That's like genuinely unnerving and terrifying. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. penis monster is like, it's a weird element to throw in there, and I kind of I understand like from a like jealousy, like sexuality standpoint. But like the scariest stuff is like, like when they're just screaming at each other. It's like this is, like, I have never, I haven't been divorced. I haven't had a breakup like this, bad. But I had friends who, when I was a kid, whose parents were divorcing, and going to their houses, mid process, it always felt weird. And there's one friend that who lived like kind of who I could walk to his house. I kind of stopped going to his house when his, when his parents like were splitting up because the energy in the house was so tense and uncomfortable and watching this was like is this like oh this is just the same thing all over again (laughs) but amplified like uh uncomfortable like you suspect there's a monster growing in the bathroom uncomfortable well they had a water bed oh my god (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah uh yeah, I have nothing else to say. I don't want to incriminate them. <laughs> anymore. All right, well, that was a good episode. Uh, oh, you meant about the divorced parents? Okay, I thought yeah. you meant about the movie. Well, thanks no. for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Yep. 
right. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, um, since Jessica, since you um, chose this, uh, how would you describe this movie? I would describe it as... A lot of times it feels like a stage play. Um, it feels very... Uh, elevated and i don't mean like elevated horror like a lot of people are fond of saying which is not a phrase i like um just like the energy and the emotion is pitched not to 11 but to eleven thousand. like it's very heightened energy heightened emotions <clears throat> like the dialogue is very oblique and poetic at times so um i can see why um I've heard of audiences, we were talking about, you know, access to the film. Um, I saw someone on Twitter talking about going to see this in the theater and the entire audience laughing at the famous scene where uh, Anna is in the subway kind of um, throwing her groceries around and uh, going into almost a seizure and people were laughing at that. I can, oh. I can understand people being so uncomfortable with this movie that they would almost respond by laughing because this is not a comfortable movie by any stretch of the imagination um so i would call it a very visceral very uncomfortable film about how it feels to go through a divorce how it what it's like to have to reassess your own identity and the identity of the person that you were married to and what it feels like finding out who you are outside of that relationship and the ways that you hurt yourself and other people while you're trying to extricate yourself from that relationship. Any long-term relationship too, not just, not just divorce. Yeah. 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 For sure. Because there were, I, I hate to say that I, I felt some, uh, relation to how Sam Neill was feeling, but like I, I've been through some, some breakup situations where, yeah, I locked myself in a room for three weeks, and I look like a haggard piece of crap, and I don't even remember what I was doing. And then I pull myself together enough to handle the day-to-day -day work. Like, like whenever he was interacting with Bob, and, well, when he wasn't interacting with Bob, it was like, this guy's a loose cannon, right? <laughs> He's a loose cannon situation. But when Bob was around, it was like, that's what you do in real life. You, you pull yourself again, you tighten up your tie, you go to work. And then you come back home and you're you're a fucking mess again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So on the topic of Sam Neill, uh, what do you think his job is exactly? He's a butt finder. No, this this is something that uh, I watched it with my partner Sarah, and she she was asking that, and I paused it and I was like, I I don't think this is the kind of movie where those questions are important or ever going to be answered. So it's, I, I wouldn't worry about stuff like that. So yeah. I, I'm not sure. Do you have an oh. idea? I, I think he's vaguely a spy, but at the end it kind of doesn't matter. So I agree. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it didn't matter to me. It's just like, I'm curious what you guys think it is. Cause like, I, I'm not really sure. I assume a spy but yeah, East again, Berlin, West Berlin kind right, of stuff. Right. And having a contact with the man of the pink socks, so it's like something government, but I yeah, I, I was curious of your guys' thoughts on what what it is exactly. Marriage yeah. counselor. 
No, I thought spy because the whole movie kind of plays like a spy film, even down to the score and some of the way, the ways that it's choreographed action wise, even in the scenes between Anna and Mark. So I, I felt like, you know, trying to investigate the end of this relationship and investigate what she's been up to and where she's at. I, I thought his job as a spy was kind of a metaphor for trying to get to the bottom of what happened in this marriage and this relationship and why it all went to hell. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So to start out, uh, what, is there anything in this movie, uh, any you don't like anything like, uh, a weak points about it. Honestly, no, I don't think there's, there's nothing about it. I don't like there. I will admit that there are parts that I don't understand as much as others, but that doesn't mean I dislike them at all. So I, I don't see anything that I would point to as a weakness. Okay. Yeah. It's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if it just appeals directly to whatever your sensibilities are mm-hmm. as a film watch. Mm-hmm. You want to ask me that question, Spencer? Yeah. Okay. If some okay, so you're talking about people laughing while watching the movie. I I can imagine that happening. Not in the scene you were specifically talking about, because I think that's like the least funny, one of the least funny scenes in the mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Um. And I think that she, Isabella Adjani, kills it. Like, I mean, they all kill it. Mm-hmm. Like, Sam Neill is killing it. But for some reason, I have an easier time thinking Sam... The thing that Sam Neill and especially Heinrich are doing is just fucking dark comedy funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. what, everything she's doing is not funny. It, it, it's, it's heartbreaking and, and enraging and sad but the because of like we don't have a story like i mean there is a beginning and an end but you you can't exactly explain it as like well this is what was really going on kind of thing and because like you were saying the poetic style of dialogue where they don't talk like regular people except for like i said when you have to tighten up your tie all of a sudden he's talking to his child and he, he seems like he can talk like a normal person for a while, and Heinrich talks like a normal person after he gets stabbed, which I, I thought was really funny. Like, oh, that's all it took to bring you back to reality. Okay, finally. Um, like, it, it feels the the movie feels like a combination of like Hellraiser and um, oh, Sarah said some other movie that I was like, ooh, that is spot on. But it also feels Kramer a little versus bit, Kramer. No, not Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> a different movie about relationships called The Room. <laughs> now, I know what you're thinking. Mm. The Room is a terrible movie. but I get where you're room, coming from. But imagine The Room with, like, really fucking amazing actors. <laughs> like, you huh. could be like, these performances are great, but what? <laughs> you know, like, kind of thing. And obviously, this is a better movie than The Room. I wouldn't say that, but... There is a there's a dark comedic nature to it, and maybe even more so for people who like can absolutely relate with it. I don't know. 
Yeah. And I do want to clarify, like, I don't think um, that scene in the subway is funny. I don't think anything that Isabella Johnny is doing is funny. So I can understand people's discomfort because a lot of people laugh when they're uncomfortable. But me personally, I probably would have been seething if I'm watching Possession in the theater and people are just laughing their asses off. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I'd agree with you that like perhaps Heinrich, because God, he really goes for it. You know, he's definitely going for some dark comedy there, but yeah, I just wanted to jump in before I got angry tweets telling me that I thought Isabella Johnny was giving a comedic performance because I don't. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think you made it clear. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, she. Uh, I've only seen her two movies: this and actually uh, another uh, f- uh, film with a biopolish director, uh, The Tenet, where she's also great in The Tenet. Which, uh, yeah, I know Rome Polanski is a pedophile and a creep. I'm I'm well aware. But uh, the tenant is such a great fucking movie that uh, has the worst tagline of all time, arguably. What's uh, the tagline? It came out around the time of the court case when he left America, mm. and the tagline is "No one gets you like Rome Polanski." <gasps> oh no! Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, I hope not. Yeah, I mean, oh, they, they kind of predicted that court case was going to happen, but man, that's this, the worst timing. <laughs> God. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad Stephen King has never done anything too terrible to anyone, because there's all kinds of taglines about Stephen King doing things to people. That is true. Take them all out of context. No. <laughs> Uh, I have so many notes on this. Okay, so let's start <laughs> out with. Um, okay, I wish a uh, spoiler alert. I guess uh, this with, with the creature stuff. So, Joel, what was your reaction to the creature? Like when it in like did it live up to like the the quote unquote hype for you? Just in terms of like creature design and how creepy it was, like as a horror element. Yeah, like uh, overall. Um, it did. Like I, I like that it was in the shadows most of the time. It was very murky mm-hmm. and and gooey. Like <laughs> I'm a big fan of gooey creatures. That it, like it's just disturbing on a lot of different levels. Um, yeah, I thought the effects were great. Like it just oozes and writhes and is just so disturbing, and. I, I was a big fan of the creature. I was a big fan of the creature reveal at the very end, but I was also a cre- uh, fan of the, you know, I, I see a lot of people refer to it as a squid, which is not, it's a, not a squid, but I liked the squid creature. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Squid, squid, squids are much more gentle love makers. From <laughs> what I, understand. <laughs> I, I like, yeah, the keeping in the darkness, I think does a great, way of like uh making you have to fill in the the blanks of what you're actually looking at mm-hmm. especially the, the the first person who runs into it you can almost see nothing it's just goo and a little bit of like teethy teethy joy and it's <laughs> like what the hell yeah it's breathing too yeah yeah it's just like sentient darkness almost at first which is just so disturbing yeah, uh, yeah. I like that it has stages. Like, uh, it's it's barely a part of the movie. 
it's just kind of a thing of like, oh yeah, the creature's here whenever it shows up. But I like that you clearly see an evolution of the creature throughout. Mm. Yeah. that That's the part that was reminding me of Hellraiser, you know, mm-hmm. when she's bringing back all the dudes to spill their blood <laughs> and bring back that one dude whose D was so good she can't can't help but you know, bring back his gross dead body. <laughs> yeah, so, okay. Uh, I have a theory on possibly why it turned into a clone of Sam Neill. And mm-hmm. Joel, I remember in the Deep Red episode where we started talking about the white liquid and was it calm or not? And you got like, oh, stop being gross, guys. I called you J-Dad. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't be yep. a J-Dad again, but... Do you think that it turned into Sam Neill because, like, like... Because the genetic material was yes. available? Yeah, transferred via her, potentially? Or do you think... I mean, you... Yeah, what's the alternate? I don't know. Because last time we talked about cum, you got all weird about it. Yeah, because we were talking... <laughs> we were at my grandmother's birthday. Okay. <laughs> she was cutting the cake. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, well, what can I say? I'm not a fan of talking about uh, things that come out of men in general. Uh, in my opinion, and this is just off the first watch, and if it is about divorce, I can't imagine, a, that, like, Heinrich's a bad because he's, like, Mr. Masculine Man, master over everything he touches, at least he pretends to be, and that's bad. Because you hate that fucker. Yeah. But when you meet the person she's actually been, you know, with this whole time, and he's just a upgraded version of yourself, that sucks. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Exactly. That's that's why I think we've got different sets of doppelgangers in the movie. Because, you know, when you leave a relationship like that, you know, I, I can only speak from personal experience, but you either end up with another person who's exactly like that person or someone who is the exact opposite but you always compare them to your ex like it's always either a mirror image of them or a relief version of them so that's why i thought it was um i had not considered the biological donation uh theory (laughs) um but (laughs) that's what i thought like she just ends up with the same man but in a different body, just like he kind was seemed to be on the path to end up with the same woman, just with a different hairstyle in Bob's teacher. Because, you know, you leave one person and you end up with the same person in a different body, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also, this comes down to, like, people have types that they're attracted to. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, whether, whether you're aware of it or not, like, you'll, uh, you know, like... Like I'm, I'm sure all of us. Like, uh, if you go through like track record, that's a gross way to say it. People we've dated or like wanted to date. It's like there's certainly similarity similarities uh, when you think about it. Sure, just don't tell that to your current partner because they'll they'll get mad. Yeah, no, she's exactly. mad. Well, she just wanted to point it out because she wanted to see like previous people on Facebook, and she's like, "Oh, you have a type." I'm like, I do. And then I, and she's finally like, oh yeah, I, I, I kind of do. <laughs> I never realized that. Yeah. Yeah. But that's also why I think that Bob's teacher seems shocked 
that Mark thinks she looks like Anna because she's like, yeah, I see her every single day, but she doesn't realize that they are dead ringers for each other. So, you know, Mark sees it, so he's drawn to the similarities, but uh, if if she looked in the mirror, Bob's teacher, I don't know if she would see Anna the way he sees Anna, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the movie is their perspective, so mm-hmm. uh, in a sense it is unreliable narrator. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Without being, like, um, kind of bullshitty about it, how that can, like, just be a crutch uh, for, like, a weaker story. This is this, like, uh, like, it's it's so, like, not to say, not to, like, say it's so powerful, but it really is just, like, it's so powerful, like, uh, presenting, like, this is a psychology of what it's like for these people brought, uh, but in their, but in their, but brought to the real world. Real world. Yeah. You have to fill in those kind of blanks, like unreliable, right? I mean, you could you could take this entire movie on face value, if you wanted to, and uh, in, in my, you know, yeah. it's the, it's just the Omen three, right? He's the Antichrist or whatever. <laughs> yeah, the only good Omen, if you ask me. What? Ooh. Bold words. What about the remake? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, I forgot that existed. <laughs> I remember it's... Caroline Rhea from Sabrina was in it. Or I think she was in it. I might be wrong about that. Car- Caroline Ray? Rhea? Who used to have a talk show? I've never, I never heard her name out loud. I just know her from Sabrina. Yeah, it's Ray. Yeah, I've never... Okay. This yeah. is the first I've heard it said out loud. <laughs> You're talking to a Caroline Ray fan, uh, Stan here. No, I'm just kidding. I don't. Okay. <laughs> the only reason I know it is because she had, I think she took over for Rosie O'Donnell, the daytime talk show thing. Oh. Oh, yeah. God. Why do, I, why do I hold on to these memories? <laughs> I remember that's how I learned about gay people because I went to Catholic school and it was like, uh, do you know Rosie O'Donnell's gay? And like, what does that mean? And we had to be hush-hush about it because we would get in trouble or something. Means she's, I don't know, a human being. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, all right. So creatures. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and you know, because uh, I feel like it's some people listening be like, but that's a guy who, who designed E.T. Yeah, yeah, I know. It, it's the guy who designed E.T., designed the creature here. Oh, just yeah. Oh, uh, ET looks kind of slimy. Mm-hmm. He looks a little penisy too. It's like sticking that finger at me, and I'm like, "Don't touch me with that." Yeah, uh, I can't remember what show I was listening to, but apparently, Carlo Rambaldi, um, his reputation within like the special effects world wasn't the greatest, and he, I think, it was on talking about Alien, and like the people where he worked with on Alien hated him because his stuff didn't work uh as he at at, like as well as he like hyped it up to work Mm, he's one of those guys yeah so oh he did uh, he did alien et close encounters and uh speaking of dune dune uh, yeah that's just you know why maybe he maybe he was a bullshit artist behind the scenes i don't know but i find it yeah who knows? Did did he do the effects for that movie? For what? Greasy Strangler. 
Uh, yeah, he had a special effect for that. Oh, cool. Yeah, what do you say, uh, that Sam Neill's a smoothie? Sam Neill... No, Sam Neill is the opposite of a smoothie in this movie. Like, that is he true. keeps putting his foot directly into his fucking mouth. Well, Doppelganger is uh, a smoothie. To, since you guys were talking about, like, him possibly have been a spy, like, mm -hmm. yeah, that makes me think... I almost want to, like, justify some of the way he's talking is like, oh, maybe he was just doing that to agitate her and get information out. Like, yeah, yeah, that's what's going on. No, he's, he's, I don't know. He's not a smoothie. His doppelganger is a smoothie. Uh, you just assume he's got magic powers. I mean, potentially has magic. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know, that's part of, like, the weird stuff, like, it doesn't make sense, but that's not the point. Uh, Okay, so yeah, creature stuff. Okay, so uh, we're gonna save the pets for last. We're gonna talk about Isabel Ajani last. Okay. Okay, so Sam Neill. This feels like to me his Bond movie. Like the reason, like he never he he was never Bond is because like he basically played this is this is his version of a spy movie because Sam Neill at best as best has to go crazy and lose it. He doesn't seem interested in those kinds of movies. Like he's Jurassic he, Park. He, no, I mean that's a, that, but that's still like a quote-unquote genre movie, right? That's a sci-fi action movie, and he does a bunch of other sci-fi stuff. And like uh, I think, uh, Sarah was saying, he was on the the Tudors, the Showtime show, mm -hmm. and it's like that's the most normal thing practically we've ever seen him do. Because, like, even... There was one I watched not too long ago where he is some artist that's, like, living in a colony with these three women that may or may not be muses. I'm trying to blank on. What is it called? Is it a recent thing? No, it's, it's from... Well, I guess I didn't put it on Letterboxd. That's a problem. Or was it not him in it? Am I drunk? It's possible I'm drunk. Are you thinking of like Timothy Dalton or something like something like that? No, 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 no. Okay. It does. It has Hugh Grant in it. Does oh. that narrow it down? Not really. I didn't <laughs> think so. Any, anyways, I've I've never seen him do just a straight drama performance. It, I'm sure he has. But I like I assume that he he wants to do crazy movies like this. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So, um, uh, uh, Jessica, what what's your opinion of Sam Neill in this movie? I I think he's amazing. I'm um, a certified Sam Neill stan. But um, I think if you take Isabella Johnny out of the movie, he his performance seems wilder and less restrained than it seems in comparison with hers um but i really like the way that they play off of each other by not playing off of each other at all like they're always talking at cross purposes and never really interacting with each other but they're doing it in an artful way that shows the breakdown of this relationship so i'm really fascinated with the way 
that they interact with each other by not actually interacting with each other. Like, I, I feel like that answers the question by talking about both of them, but it's, it's kind of hard to talk about one without talking about the other. But I, he's so fascinating to me, like the things that he does with his eyes and the things that he does with his face. Um, him in a he, rocking chair is genuinely oh my God. terrifying. It is like, I've never seen anybody menacingly rock in a rocking chair before besides like Annabelle, <laughs> but he does the way he moves his body is fantastic. I just, he's so good in this. And I know everybody talks about Isabella Johnny and rightfully so, but he's, I think he gives just as strong a performance and he's just as, you know, impossible to look away from. He's so, so good in this. I think Robert De Niro in Jackie Brown is, is doing mm-hmm. some menacing rocking. Mm-hmm. He's not supposed to be, but he can't help himself. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. He can't hold still when he's, he's going through his thing. Like mm-hmm. uh, when he goes to, the detective agency to hire that guy he's he's rocking back and forth in his chair and i was when that was happening i was thinking like i don't know if this is the time to be fiddling around like that like i have attention deficit disorder i have trouble holding my limbs into place a lot of the time but like i'm like i need you to follow my wife like mm, i don't know but they it's not that kind of movie they don't care (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know, like, uh, uh, this is my second time watching it and 12 minutes in I was like man this, this, that felt like 45 minutes like so much happens like emotional uh, what that's another problem with the movie in my opinion really yeah because I kept pausing it thinking I, I wasn't like how much longer do I have left? I kept pausing it going, whew, another 20 minutes in. It's been two or three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and it kept happening. And at a certain point, I was just like, okay, I'm exhausted. I'm just not going to look until it's over. <laughs> that, that's what I like about it. It's so exhausting and intense. that Like five minutes feels like half an hour. Yeah, for for somebody like me, that, that can equal boredom eventually in... Hmm in a movie now i it's hard to say any part of this movie has that that's part of the problem this movie doesn't have any part where it drags or anything like that so I, we're gonna narrow down like how to give people a break so they can catch their breath like yeah that, that's you don't want to add any scenes or anything that's like a that. zulowski thing though is it never slows down it just keeps going oh now you tell me uh the, the other one we're gonna do mad love it's like what if like this type of tone and intensity, but what if instead it's uh, the the idiot uh, loosely um, adapted, mm. and you have bank robbers who like are dancing around in like Mickey Mouse masks, and it's like and it's, a, it's a, and it's like how is this two hours long? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's still really good. But like it's just has that same like this is exhausting but I love it uh, vibe at least for me yeah you go through something like watching I mean and that's that's the way breakups feel too so it is I guess it's good that way yeah it's like oh yeah so like adding on to like the whole like 12 minutes about like uh, half an hour thing uh his breakdown, I forgot, happens so quickly because it's like within the first ten minutes, 
like he has a like he locks himself away and has like a, he's you know and has a beard and doesn't like bathe and shit. Like I forgot just how fast that happened, and then I was like, wait, well, then what's the rest of the movie gonna be? And then I forgot like it, it it's it's so jam packed with so much stuff and like emotion, even though it's literally like maybe a couple different locations. Which uh, like another thing that I uh, love about it, it, it makes these very uh, uh, particular locations, which like may think three or four key places you see over and over again. It feels, you know, it it, it gets like the most out of uh, most out of like a, a a little. Which ones do you think were the keys? Um, the their apartment. The, um, the uh, state of luck, according to my <laughs> Zelda alarm. The the their apartment, the apartment with the creature. Uh, the school. Well, I guess the apartment, uh, school and the apartment complex seem to be like the most common, like the only places you really get to see a whole lot of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her her place, the apartment, and then. Uh, yeah, I don't even know. Like, when lives in these mansions that are not, you know, supposedly he's got. <laughs> Heinrich is like, I know you have money, give me money. I'm like Heinrich, you live in a fucking, I don't, I don't know, is it German castle or something like that? It, and whatever. And then uh, at the end of the movie, when we see the teachers. Uh, the place she lives, I'm like, holy crap. Like, well, first of all, nobody lives here. There's no decorations. There's not a goddamn thing on the wall. But goddamn, I would I would love to live there. Right? <laughs> no Sign me up to be a teacher in Germany. Like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good health care, treated with respect. Who wouldn't want that? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but... Bathtubs ready to get in at any time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... Uh, yeah, but like the, you mentioned that no, no, um, uh, no stuff in apartments. There's no stuff in any apartments. Like all the walls are blank. It's a whole lot of like white space, uh, and it's like in empty rooms of like just the, the just the, of just the necessities everywhere. And it's like it's interesting. Like that really stuck out this time because like the the emotional part of the movie fills everything. When when everything around him is just like empty space, mm. yeah, you don't see anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it, cause like it, Bob, it's the, Bob's it, room is fully decorated. Well, he's a kid. Oh, okay. All I mean, most kids have like decorated like rooms full of toys and stuff. Right, but I I think that because Bob is the place where anything normal can be. Like anything surrounding Bob, they're at least attempting to make seem like normal. And that's, I mean, Bob has to be horribly scarred, at least by, if not being abandoned for some amount of time (laughs) when he is uh, after uh, Sam Neill's breakdown thing. you know, your parents screaming all the time whenever they interact with each other. Yeah, <laughs> and the way they scream, like I, I've never heard anybody scream like Isabella Johnny screams. Like it comes from the depths of her soul. I, it's terrifying, even if it's not your parents and you're not a kid. 
Like if you hear someone doing that banshee scream somewhere, you're going to have flashbacks to it. Yeah. And talking about Sam Neill's emotions, I love that the first half of the movie, he goes through the five stages of grief. And then after he's accepted everything, he's far scarier when he's in his acceptance phase, where I feel like we see what he's like as a spy when he's kind of like you know taking delight in Heinrich's suffering and being really um uh methodical in hiding the evidence of his wife's crimes like that's another reason i think he's a spy like he's very very good at getting rid of the evidence of these dead bodies um and like watching him go through the stages of grief is really affecting and then it's terrifying when he's accepted everything and he's just got that glint in his eye as he you know plots how to get her back I just, yeah. I love it. He definitely knew how to blow up an apartment. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, uh, the spy thing, like, because what he does to Heinrich in the bar it is so fucking perplexing, but if it was a spy movie, I could see it making sense. But... <laughs> That's something... <laughs> because I, I wasn't considering how he would know how to do what he was going mm-hmm. to end up or how he you would even plan to do that unless you were a crazy person it's like <laughs> well i don't know i mean he does meet with the i guess government officials about the man in pink, pink socks in the beginning Did, his, I don't, yeah whoever they people? were just the board yeah yeah like uh, some team of white people that the marvel superheroes have to check in with every once in a while yeah all right uh wait so so joel what did you think of all like the constant camera movement was that uh annoying to you was it too exhausting uh what did you think of uh like the way it was shot oh it, it, like none of the cinematography bothered me in fact some some of that stuff is like is very very good there there's a scene uh i don't know one of the many fights that isabel and and sam are having and that sounds like they're normal people when i just use their first names (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and we follow sam neil as he chases after her and the the camera goes out the door and it goes down the hall and then it follows him partially down the stairs and then another set of stairs follows down the stairs and another set of stairs and then it stops and I'm like somebody set up that shot you know this is really good and then that part where he's on the motorbike and he's just like in the the shipping docks area or whatever mm-hmm. and it's it's like frame 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 from the from behind him and then frame 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 in front of him or the other way around like yeah there's there's a lot of really good stuff i had more of a problem editing wise with the choice of when they were using music Interesting. it, it was very it was sporadic and sometimes it would only the music would only come on for like five seconds and then it would just be like no music yeah, uh, uh, yeah, i don't know but i don't know oh <laughs> he'll be back What's it say? Von Huff has left. Oh, he was really mad that I said that stuff. <laughs> Are you getting to talk enough? I I feel like we we need to we need to ask you some stuff here. 
Oh, I just, I'm just, I'm doing my best not to interrupt you because I don't want to be that guest that's like, but shut up, let me talk. You know. <laughs> I want you. I, I declare that you should should be that guest. Okay. <laughs> because, uh, like, I, I could talk to Spencer at any time, and, and the listeners, the they can hear us talk anytime. But yeah, I yeah definitely break in. Okay. Because like you said, you've been waiting to talk about this, so. Uh, Please, don't don't feel like you're being rude or anything like that. We we have some terrible guests. You're not going to be up there, I guarantee you. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the camera movement, I really love the camera movement. Um, I like the opening scene where, you know, they're at odds immediately, even before we see them interact. Because, you know, they're we see them from different angles. They're moving in different directions physically. They're moving at different speeds. You know, he's... Um, facing the camera from the right side of the, or facing towards the camera, not looking directly into it, from the right side of the frame in a car, moving at moderate speed. She's facing, you know, coming from the left side of the frame, moving towards the right side. We see her from the back. She's walking very quickly, like they're at odds right away. And all these swirling camera movements and kind of jumping back and forth, it keeps you off balance the entire time. Um, and you're constantly reappraising where you stand, where the cam where the characters stand, which, you know, I, I always harp on this just because I watched this when it really resonated with me as someone who had been recently divorced. So I'm always going to go back to that, but you're constantly reappraising in the face of a, a very traumatic breakup who you are, who the other person was, who you thought that person was compared to who they really are or who they turned out to be. So this idea of never really knowing where you stand in terms of the space of the film and constantly having to reappraise characters from different angles, I think the visuals and the theme of navigating your own identity and other people's identities, I think it ironically they marry each other very well like the marriage of the theme and the visuals is really brilliant so i'm a fan of the camera work i i like dynamic camera work and creative camera work so i was i i'm always really taken aback by it every time i watch it yeah it's good stuff i'm back <laughs> yeah i thought the ethernet cable would help <laughs> well you know Whenever you can, it's I, I told Je I I told Jessica uh, to interrupt us whenever she has something she wants to talk about. So just to, yeah. just to let you know, because that's a, I want to make sure she gets to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I have been given permission to be what I consider rude. So <laughs> I'm trying not. Go I'm going to try not to take too much advantage of it, though. Uh, oh, that Jessica was so rude. Right? <laughs> yeah. <I'm> like, <laughs> have a whole bonus episode devoted to how awful I was. Let's talk about Jessica. <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, yeah, so the... Like, we talked about him already, about Heinrich. I kind of love how ridiculous uh, he is. He's, he, like, as a person, he sucks, but he's so over the top. It's, he's kind of... Not kind of... He is hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, he's hilarious. That I mean, that part where when Sam Neill goes over to the apartment, <laughs> <laughs> he's he's obviously upset. They're very pissed off, and this guy's 
He's like practically dancing around. So he's like got his hands all over him. And whatever. I don't know. Maybe that's how they do things in Germany. But when he, he proceeds to get his ass kicked. I'm like, wow, this is a this is the worst case scenario. Here. <laughs> I, I pitied him so much at that point. Like you've gone over to confront the guy who's having sex with your wife, and then he just absolutely kicks your ass while he kind of does a jig around you. It's it's humiliating. <laughs> Yeah, yeah and, no, this guy uh, studied martial arts for God's sake. Right. <laughs> there's, there's a similar scene like that in uh, movies, um, the most important thing, love, the Zelowski before this one, I think, or maybe even something in between. But in that most important thing, love, it's a kind of a similar beatdown scene of Klaus Kinski, uh, who is playing a, a, a theater actor. They're doing uh, like some... It's not Macbeth. They're doing some Shakespeare play set with, like, samurai or something. It's never really explained, but there's a part where these people are harassing him and, that like, the crew, and he starts, and he beats up the people, and he says, well, sir, I am a well, a well-bred homosexual. <laughs> and, uh, it's Klaus Kinski, so it's intense and weird, and it's like, is is he acting, or is this being him being him? <laughs> Uh, type thing. It's a partial documentary. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, like, Kinski's one of those people, I'm never sure if it's performance or he genuinely is, like, that awful of a human being. <laughs> when that many people historically want to murder you, as, you know, I, everybody who's ever worked with Kinski, <laughs> I've heard, has pr- tried to put a hit out on him. So I suspect he's just that awful in person. But I also really, really love him as an actor, so... Yeah, I have the same uh, dilemma. Oh, actually, former guest uh, Megan Dooley. Um, uh, this was in the '80s before, like people, you know, knew about that stuff about him. Uh, she met him because he did a book signing, book signing in New York City, and she went to it. And she was like 14 years old and thought he was a, a cool actor that she liked, <laughs> and didn't know the truth yet. 14-year-olds digging Klaus Kinski. Yeah. What is this? A sitcom? No, it's a, it's Megan Dooley. It makes sense. Oh, okay. <laughs> what? And that's not a slight at Megan. She, she's, she, her life is fascinating, and she has a lot of great stories like that. Oh, of course. I don't know if this is on your list, but can we talk about the world's worst private investigator who just chases Anna down the street and doesn't even try to hide <laughs> the fact that he's a private investigator. Yeah, if we can talk about anything, I I have no structure to this. Okay. <laughs> and I don't have a lot to contribute to that discussion of him beyond that, but I'm just so fascinated by you know, there's a certain level of absurdity to every interaction in this movie, but that one might be my favorite in terms of just how is this person a private investigator when they clearly just yell at people, hey, stop, I want to investigate what you're doing, and just chase them down the street. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that felt like just an excuse to get to, like, the reveal of the monster. Yeah. No, oh, they, they, they only, <laughs> Sam Neill only paid him for one day, so. <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess I gotta keep run after this lady, even <laughs> though she's, I know I'm there. Yeah, and adding to, like, the the palette of like a lot of like white backgrounds 
uh, like when he's in the apartment and they're talking about like um, love and like sex and stuff he like uh, um, she smashes like a milk ball milk ball on on him and there's like this explosion of white and they're and you have the content of sex so it's like seeing the white liquid and that's like huh interesting choice of a color color given like what they're talking about in this moment hmm just say don't don't become a J dad again. I'm just oh, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That's yeah. White I liquid. They're talking about their lovers. It's like interesting. I don't know what's going on here exactly, but see, you know. I don't. When I see a white liquid, I don't automatically think uh, what you're thinking. But that's uh, sometimes it's a. Simple. I'm not saying you're a pervert. I'm just saying. Well, I, I am a know. pervert, obviously. I'm just saying you need to. Yeah. You gotta, see, you gotta see one of those doctors, you know, one of those doctors. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The yeah, when it, going into the going into the <laughs> following in, into the building and then like waiting and going to get a little snack in between. <laughs> I don't know why. Like. Up to that point, you could you could be watching this and being like, "This is a funny movie." And then when you get to the bathroom, it's like, "What the f- fudge?" I don't know why I can't just say the f word, but I say it all the time. It's a. I think Spencer, because you're talking mm-hmm. about so much semen talk, mm-hmm. pardon me, it's making me hesitant to say bad words. Why? I don't know. I need to see a doctor too. I'm afraid. Quit being such a prude. No, I or, just... or or continue. It's you. Your mm-hmm. life. You do you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, are are you saying, Jessica? Are you saying you wouldn't hire this particular detective agency? Because you, you say what you will, they got the job done. I mean, they did. They did. Um, I don't know. Maybe I would hire two detective agencies. I would hire these guys to be the decoys. And then hire a more competent one to actually investigate things. That's probably a good idea, yeah. I I mean, Sam Neill's a spy, too, though. Uh Like, if that goes into the thing, why can't he do the work himself? Yeah, I wondered the same thing. Or get um, one of his spy buddies. Even though maybe he doesn't have any spy buddies, since they can't find his successor anywhere. Right. Yeah. Oh, going back to a spy thing, when he kills Heinrich, that uh, in the bathroom didn't uh, was that in Casino Royale the opening he kills someone in the in the toy in the um, stall. You're thinking of uh, Austin Powers. Okay. I'm just kidding. I I don't remember. Oh. Uh. The the only thing that's remarkable about Casino Royale in my opinion and this has come up in conversation just recently because of the new movie is Mads Mikkelsen torturing him with a piece of rope yeah because that is so (laughs) that that felt so out of left field that it was like absolutely shocking it's like actually this kind of kind of feels better than average James Bond BS I was used to so okay cool I'll keep my mouth shut on that movie. This will turn to episode on, on why I don't care for that movie as much. 
slash Daniel Craig as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And then this other the other mm-hmm. person at the agency, you know, revealing that he was partners with the other guy to Sam Neill. Like, what are they going for? That that's what made me start thinking. Like, is this like a metaphor for East Berlin, West Berlin, and it's like I don't I don't think that either one of them probably had nice things for homosexuals at that time period. But I'm sure one of them was more open about it than the other. And it it's like if Sam Neill is supposed to be East Berlin and, and uh, Isabella Johnny is supposed to be West Berlin or something, you know, vice versa. I don't really even know much about the politics, but it's like, do they want to be back together? Like, they're acting like this This is the only thing that was going. But what if one of them has become so corrupt that by joining together, they're going to make this perfect demonic beast or something like that? Like, a new you know, uh, Nazi Germany once they've rejoined or something. But this this is just my doofball brain trying to figure out symbolism yeah. that might not even be there. It might be. I don't know. Like, it, the, the emotions seem to be, like, the number one thing this movie's concerned about, and and logic seems to be, like, not the thing <laughs> to... That. I mean, I also have seen multiple Zulawskis, and logic is not the thing he seems to give a shit about, really. Mm. All right, um, okay. Oh, I wrote down one note about Heinrich that I forgot. He mentions he has family in Cincinnati, Ohio. And yep. that and that just made me laugh. <laughs> I don't know why. It just feels like such a like the most random thing he could he could have possibly said. Um, yeah, I, I wonder if there's like a huge German community in Cincinnati, Ohio, or something. Uh maybe. But uh, uh okay, so uh, where is it? Okay, so uh, so uh, Isabella Johnny, she's kind of the the main thing people talk about for a reason, and uh. Well, where Sam Neill like is unhinged the whole time, she is dynamic and she starts out. And she's she's also unhinged at the beginning, but like, it, it's 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 a nice slow build up of like. No, I'm getting my my. She's she's more she has more variety to do in this compared to Sam Neill, but it's so smooth and like if effortless and raw and like it and everything. I was worried about her. I was worried that this might be another uh, Shelley Duvall situation. Mm-hmm. Because how do you get that kind of performance out of an actor or an actress? Or, well, I guess an actress is yeah. not... Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, so, like, she's terrifying in this movie. Like, the the way she's showing her character going through this pain that she doesn't understand and that no one could understand watching necessarily because it's amplified times a hundred of what 
you know, what a human being would consider to be quite painful already. But, I mean, that that's not something that happened, right? Like, she wasn't, like, abused on the set or anything like that, right? Not Jessica? I've never heard any. I've never heard anything. That doesn't mean it happened. But I've, from everything I've ever heard, it was just, um, it wasn't a case of her being pushed to the point of no return. It was just she's that brilliant of an actress, and she got that from within herself. But I could mm. be wrong. I am not the most uh, well versed in terms of behind the scenes stories on films. Um, but I've never heard anything to indicate that that was a uh, a Kubrick situation. Right, I, I haven't either. Yeah, from what I uh, know about Zulowski, it seems as that's the type of performances he likes, and so, and he already had a reputation by this point, and so like people have known if you're gonna work with him, like you 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 have to like be uh be at eleven the whole time and like push yourself to like the beyond your limits. Just, just the breakdown scene in the the subway tunnels, you know, when she's having the, vi- I mean, the visualization, visualization of of what I, I'm guessing was like an actual miscarriage she may have, or the the character may have had, and like how horrific and and just allowing herself to be covered in I, I I don't know covered covered in milk or white liquid if you will and white in this case the white liquid makes sense because you know when the blood is like flowing out of her <laughs> her bottom and also also somehow around her neck area which I, I don't know the way bodies work I thought it was coming out of her ears like she was just bleeding from everywhere Oh. Um, but yeah, I don't, when I watch Shelley Duvall in The Shining, I, you can feel her exhaustion and her being at the end of her rope. But when I watch Isabella Johnny in this movie, I, it, I get a sense of catharsis. Like she, it feels like she is exercising a demon as she acts. Like it is like she is possessed and she is performing an exorcism on herself as she performs so it's exhausting but in a very different way to me um and again i that i'm not trying to use that as evidence that oh clearly she couldn't have been abused if it feels this way to me but like it just it feels like a catharsis like a in terms of just personal relationships and in terms of the performance mm-hmm. hmm. yeah so uh, going to the title possession you think it's in reference to as uh her character arc I, I think it's got a lot of different meanings um, because, you know, you, when we talk about romantic relationships, we often talk in terms of possession, like he's my man, she's my woman, you know, my, my, mine, you know, so he, Mark is losing his possession of his wife because she is pulling away from him. He sees her, you know, he says verbatim, I think of you as an animal or a woman possessed. He thinks she's acting under demonic influence because she is different from what he thought she should be. Um, I think there are a lot of different ways to view the title. Um, and 
you know, you can also see it as her being in that relationship was the act of possession where she was taken over by another entity that she came to realize she didn't want in her life anymore. So the act of separating from Mark is the exorcism, is her getting rid of that possession. Like there, are, mm. I think there are lots of different ways you can take it. And I'm sure I haven't even scratched the surface of the different ways you can interpret it. Um, but I, I really like looking at it from the lens of, you know, cutting those ties of material possession. Like this is my wife, this is my woman and kind of exercising the demons of this relationship that doesn't work for her anymore. Hmm. Okay, yeah, I, I never thought of that angle. I always, I always thought, thought of it strictly in terms of the uh, Mark saw her as a possession, uh, mm -hmm. not necessarily from her point of view. But again, I've never had been through something like this. So, uh, mm -hmm. I, yeah. Um, but, uh, like, her... I, I like like what part of what makes her performance so great is that like she she becomes like uh I don't want to say evil but she like becomes independent and like and, be, and makes like and, and she's allowed to be, do bad things and and like we talked about this in just a Navarre episode about Vagabond how the character in Vagabond is uh very unlikable and cold and it's a movie it's about a woman who is unlikable and cold and I just, that's kind of a rare thing usually well in, in Hollywood like mainstream Hollywood movies women have to be nice and smiley you know for the most part and the scene like performance like this where like she is allowed just to be to one express all her emotions and to just make her own choices and some of the choices are bad but like it's just she owns everything and it's this so refreshing to see on screen. She having to like Sam Neill being like you have to explain yourself to me. Like I understand the the feeling of like illogic that comes from fear uh, being under the idea that everything is fine because everything has to be fine. It's been normal, you know. And he's he's the based on what he was saying about his work you know he's he's away for a long time so he'll come back and then and uh be with the family for a little bit and he's he's surprised that his family or yeah that it has fallen apart in some way like it, it's i think it's difficult to un earn a child's love and so, like, you know, he can fall right back in with Bob, like, everything's okay. But, by the way, don't, I didn't, that, that does bother me, that huh? calling children Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, Robert, Robbie, I don't know, but Bob, that's a, that's a dude's name. <sighs> or a lady's name. But so, so, so basically, you have to, once you turn 18, you can be called Bob? I mean, you can be called Bob in high school, but you're just pretending. Okay. As we all were in, in high school. So what, do, do you have your Bob license? Do I have my Bob license? Like when you, my name when my you, name isn't Robert. Okay. Sorry. You still have to you still have to have the name. You have to have the credentials. Fine. Unless you're you, pulling like a ladybird or something like that. Are there any Robertos in your family or Roberts? Do they have a Bob license? 
better not fucking be any Roberto. No, I'm just kidding. I don't, no, I don't think there's any Robertos. Manuels. Um, but what was I going to say? I was going to say something about... Oh, uh, Sam Neill's an asshole. Uh, his character is an asshole in this movie. Uh, I was I was gonna go bigger into yeah. that, but like his whole like th- that's why possession, as in her or as in him, makes way more sense than the demonic presence that's that's going on. Like that's just a cancer that's growing in Sam Neill's crazy head, like. There has to be a reasonable answer. Like, you meet Heinrich, and you're like, this can't be the reason why she left me. This this is absolutely not the reason why. And it's like, you're right. That isn't the reason why she left you, because you're because of you. And because of, like, the work that you guys didn't do as a couple or, or whatever. And you, you want to make her the bad guy. So, hey, it's a demon. Mm. Yeah. Why not? Let's let's demonize all women. That the part where he says, "I'm at war with all women," and the teacher doesn't just like leave. <laughs> well, she's like, well, she sees him and he's hot, so it's like, well, uh, I, I mean, he's tall and he's he's got a handsome face. He's not that tall. He's like five eleven. He's not tall. He looks super tall in this movie. I have to double check because like he did seem tall. And I was like, uh, uh, is he just lanky? Well, I, I mean, he, they pair him up with Laura Dern in Jurassic Park, and mm-hmm. she's tall. I think she is taller than him in the movie, but not by much. According to the internet, which never lies, Sam Neill is six feet tall. That's taller than me. Okay. Well, when I hear tall, I assume, like, NBA height. Mm. And he, that's, that's NBA, I mean, that, that's NBA six, height for, like, the 80s. <laughs> six feet six feet is not like a very very tall person but you know it's like i said it's it's taller than me it's yeah, i would he, notice like he, hey that person's six feet tall he can probably dunk yeah like if you get some cookies and dip them in a tea you can dunk yeah no not he only plays soccer in this movie though for a brief moment with those children. I, th- I thought he was going to kick the soccer ball away from the kids out of spite. Mm-hmm. I really, at first I thought that's what was happening and I kind of laughed a little, but... I think, I think he likes the children. Yeah. You know, not not just his own son. I think, <laughs> I think there's a switch he can flip on whenever he's around kids. Like, hey, we're all fun. Let's Everything's cool. And he tries to flip that switch when he's around the teacher. And some, sometimes he successfully does and other times he's his character (laughs) right yeah i think maybe again not to uh harp on the spy thing too much but being able to play different roles like that so easily is probably something that comes in handy for him in that line of work so he can flip a switch and be fun dad or fun uh, soccer player guy and you know kind of keep his cool more whereas you know anna is just losing it having to deal with raising her son and living this lonely life with her spy husband away all the time. All right. And you, you see her trying to flip, flip switches too, mm-hmm. because she'll, when she's interacting with Bob, she's trying to be, uh, my God, stop saying Bob. Uh, when she's acting, interacting with her <laughs> child, uh, 
she's trying to be loving mother and and holding it together as well as she can but she can't be in their apartment it's driving her mad so she, yeah. before she she loses it in front of her kid she she's leaving mm-hmm. for the most part yeah yeah i think i said this before we started recording but someone should make a meme of the drake meme of the fulci bob the top image and bomb image the bob that's you know good is this bob the only Bob I ever think about is Twin Peaks Bob. Well, I, 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 why not do two top images of evil Bob? Fulci Bob and Twin Peaks Bob. I think Fulci Bob grew up to be Twin Peaks Bob. Oh, so you admit he's evil. Okay, finally. Oh, of course he's evil. He's in a Fulci movie. Okay. Apparently, he, apparently he lives in Chicago or something and he has a normal life. And I hope he's doing well. I just him as a kid just something about that about his look as a kid is so annoying (laughs) (laughs) you feel you feel about him how I felt about every kid in late 90s early 2000s with the mushroom cut (laughs) doesn't Bob doesn't doesn't false ball have a mushroom cut exactly So, uh, any okay, Jessica? Any things you want to bring up that you haven't talked about? Um, not really. Like we've covered, I I took a lot of notes on the movie, and we've covered just about everything that I have notes on. Um, you know, like the camera movement and the just specific scenes that I wanted to talk about. So, yeah, I can't think of anything additional. There are two scenes I want to talk about. The ending? No, not the ending. Okay. Uh, the first scene I want to talk about is when they meet up at the restaurant <laughs> the very, in the beginning <laughs> uh, of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how it takes one maitre d' and two chefs <laughs> to stop <laughs> that meal. <laughs> I just... Uh, th- that scene is, is bonkers. And in like early enough in the movie that you're not sure what necessarily the level of bonkersness is going to be and him him just destroying this cafe that and telling her to get out like it's, you don't own this place dude <laughs> freaking out like that <laughs> is uh i just i just really liked it and the second scene i want to talk about is the exploding cars uh-huh. <laughs> Now, once again, that fits in perfectly with the idea that he may have been a spy because he, like, sees the cops, so he, he hides the car where he's got Margie's body. Like, we, we didn't really talk about Margie at all, but she's not... She's just kind of a she's babysitter. Kind of, yeah. Oh, uh, I'm not sure if you noticed, her cast has a heel in it. Uh, yes. I was obsessed with that detail. That was so it, funny. Okay, I, I wasn't sure if that's like a, a, a weird a movie detail or if that's like a thing that, that happens in real life. I I, I don't I, I don't wear heels, uh, so I wouldn't uh, know. But I, it, I think it, that would take like a special request. Yeah, absolutely. That okay. that was her probably terrorizing the doctor until he agreed to give her a high heel cast. <laughs> that is not normal. <laughs> okay. 
She's like, I'm not wearing flats. I don't care what you say. Right. <laughs> yeah. But okay, so he he stashes the car in a nearby driveway. That's kind of on a slant. And then he gets into the cab, a cab, and holds the gun to the cabbie. And my, my the cabbie might be my favorite character because he's got his one line after he's like, back, go in reverse, and then drive into those police cars. And the cabbie's like, you got it, or something like that. Like, <laughs> like he doesn't care. He was he's really excited dude. to do it. He was like, I've been yeah. waiting for this my whole life, a cab. Mm-hmm. Okay, mark that off my bucket list. Yep. Uh, yeah, just the other day, somebody was like, follow that car. So, you know, <laughs> I'm doing pretty good this week. Yeah. And then the gunfight followed by the car <laughs> with Marge's body <laughs> suddenly coming out of the driveway. And then, like, <laughs> my, my note was, I didn't expect this movie to have so many explosions. <laughs> That's that is darkly comic, like that's it, it, a lot of serious stuff going on in this movie. That that is a dark comic moment. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it leads into the motorcycle. Does that leads to the motorcycle thing where he's like screaming down the through the yes. tunnels, and it's like this is cinema. This is what movie and, should be. And then like a stuntman eats it, and I was like, ouch. I don't like that falling off the bike. Yeah. Who put all this sand there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So. What? So, what is your, what is your guys' interpretation of the end? Because, like, it sounds like war breaks out, and Bob kill and Bob kills himself because he knows that hit that fake. Um, fake dad is going to enter the room it's like how do you what how do you guys interpret the end exactly oh and mm. sam neil the uh, original sam neil dies and as well as johnny dies because the police kill them no well isabel johnny kills them through a romeo and juliet style yeah Double shooting. But the man with the pink socks shows up again at the very end with the police. Hmm. I yeah, think whatever that is. Yeah. Uh, Jessica, I assume you uh, know the ending very well, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pass this to you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I hate to be that person, but the ending always puzzles me the ending is one of those things where i'm like i you know i'm the daniel craig from knives out um meme you know i don't understand it but it compels me like <laughs> um you know i i think it comes back to you know being a different person after a traumatic breakup than you were before so you know we talked about how traumatized bob was by you know everything his parents have been doing and you know in his vicinity like they're his parents but they're not they're completely different people their relationship has changed everything is different even if they look the same and to me that's what it's about like everything is so broken that even if they look identical they can never be put back together the same way it's um you know going back to talking about east berlin west berlin even if they reconcile there's still such a fissure there 
and things have been so harmed by everything that both sides have done to each other just in terms of physical damage that you know you can't you know it's it's for bob it's mommy and daddy but it's not mommy and daddy and that, that's that's something i love about doppelganger stories that how horrific that is but that's something i really like about this story about this horrific relationship and the twists it takes so that's i don't know if that answered your question at all but that's my answer <laughs> i have no answer to the ending i i like it but it's also one of like I don't fucking know. It's it feels like the right way to end this movie. Yeah, it definitely feels like the right way. Mm-hmm. Not a good dude. I c- yeah, I, I can't. I just don't. Uh, sorry, you go. Go ahead. I can't explain why it's the right way to end it. It just like feels like some spy shit has happened, <laughs> and so like having that that ending is like okay, so the, it it came back sort of. You know, it, it, all, it all kind of comes together in the very end, and it's explosive and puzzling and, and challenging. You know, the, like the whole movie. I, I kind of don't like that the spy thing can be used to ask to explain so many of the unexplainable or very weird things about it. Because I don't think the intention of the movie is to give you an explanation for almost anything. You know, it, it's all up to the viewer's interpretation of the art, whether whether or not the uh, the director, artists, and actors, and everything else involved had a specific idea in mind. Like, this, this movie is so goddamn unusual and bonkers and um, full of so much, like, meat. Like, like we were talking, you know, every five minutes felt like half an hour. And imagine eating, you know, to go Lord of the Rings Nord, you, you, you eat lamna bread and somebody stuffs another five pieces down your throat. Like you're going to you're going to feel like you're going to explode, but you keep on chowing it down because it's good. And uh, under like you can't not watch it, I feel so. I don't think that like the it should be interpreted as like well now war is going to start because of this like <laughs> uh, except for the like I said Omen three kind of association mm-hmm. thing like this this monster is some sort of demonic evil antichrist thing the the world is ending in in one way or another but at the end of the divorce after all the casualties are done and everyone is left standing wherever they are. Like, yeah, it might as well just blow it all to hell. I don't know. Yeah, this it feels so intensely personal um, as a film that, I, like, the lack of logic I find more impenetrable than some other filmmakers. Like, you know, David Lynch's dream logic, I, I get 100% because that speaks to how I view things and how my brain works but this particular film even though I love it I have trouble penetrating it at times because I don't operate on the same wavelength because it feels so personal that sometimes I wonder I'm not saying anybody who claims to understand this movie is lying I'm saying you know I personally there are parts that I just don't understand because I'm not on the same wavelength as the filmmaker but that doesn't 
mean that I don't enjoy trying to get on the same wavelength, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it is based off of a bad divorce he did go through. Yeah. Uh, and they and they did have a kid, uh, too. And I believe the, uh, the wife and the kid went back to Poland and he wasn't allowed to see his child anymore. At least yeah, for uh, to Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and in Poland, kind of like the reason he went to France because Poland. I can't remember if it's pre-recorded or not, because uh, Poland kind of cracked down on stuff, and he made a movie that's famous now uh, on the Silver Globe that the Polish government confiscated, and it was in there. And it's incomplete because the Polish government confiscated and probably burned and destroyed the footage. I'd imagine. Right. Yeah, uh, but uh, and th- that kind of pushed the limits of um, what he's allowed to do. So then he was like, I-, "I have to." Then he had to go to France to um, continue making movies. So, and I think that's around the time of the divorce. If I'm not mis, I might be mistaken a bit, but uh, yeah. So uh, this, um, this this is a real. Don't try to. Don't try to puzzle it out. Just enjoy the ride situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to someone about it earlier, and I said, you know, it's not to be too trivial, but it's very much a vibes movie. It's very much about the emotion, and this is a movie you feel. It's very visceral, and if you try to do one-for-one associations, I think that is um, kind of a fool's errand, perhaps. Not to, you know, cast aspersions on anyone who tries to do that, but it's very much about just trying to to feel it and understand the emotion of it. Oh, I could explain that movie to you. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I sure. do feel like sometimes yelling at somebody, bullshit, when they think that they know something. Uh, uh, yeah, um, this, uh, back, I don't know how available this is. You can find it. In certain on certain sites, if you look, you can buy the Region Two DVD or Blu-ray of it. Uh, I don't know if there's ever going to be a Region One release anytime soon, but uh, is is there a particular reason why? Because it's not the music rights, I assume. Zelowski movies just aren't like uh, like marketed outside of Europe, pretty much. That's, I mean, for I, this I, particular yeah. movie, though, I feel I like... I don't... This is the one that... I think it's in English. I think that's the reason this one broke through. Hmm. Outside of that, just, like... Uh, he has, like, ten other movies or so, but they're kind of harder to come by. I found one on a, online somewhere. That I don't know yeah. if you can still get it uh, at that place anymore. But, uh... Yeah, I like... I remember hearing uh, somebody... Up- that worked for Synapse talking about how difficult it is sometimes to get these like movies that definitely like their film stock exists and you you would be able to make an amazing 4K or even you know Blu-ray or whatever of it and the person who owns the right is just like no I don't have any interest in that yeah, like, I mean no you can't his children are still alive. Uh, Sophie Marceau might have uh, they were a couple for a long time and they had a kid like may, I, may, she might have a, like some ownership in the stock possibly I don't really know uh, I think it's it, it's like the Ross Meyer issue it's like it's just like the the family estate for some reason just 
is difficult to work with or maybe their demands are too unrealistic or maybe mm. it's just some other like bureaucratic stuff it it's honestly probably most it's probably uh it's probably the most boring reason that that we can't even think of realistically sure. why it's just not yeah. available it's like the the blood for blood for dracula and flesh for frankenstein movies because uh paul what's his name was like no i never want to see those movies and then <laughs> at some point somebody paid him enough to change his mind or something yeah he's very um catholic and conservative uh, like, oh, it's like mark Wahlberg. Uh, yeah, actually, they have more in common than you'd think. And I think yeah. he might be ashamed of it. I think that's why he didn't want those released <laughs> again. Mark Wahlberg, who said that one of the worst movies he ever made was Boogie Nights. <laughs> oh, because it made Jesus unhappy? Yes, Jesus cried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Is he quoting a Bible? Because that's the shortest Bible verse, Jesus wept. It's in one of the Gospels. Uh, what? The shortest gospel gospel verses, Jesus wept. Oh. Yeah, maybe Mark Wahlberg was quoting the Bible because he loves Jesus. We all love Jesus. I, I don't, I'm not making fun of Christians. I'm making fun of Mark Wahlberg. Oh, okay. I just want to make it clear. I hear you, bro. I hear you. <laughs> I bet he's so unhappy that a, an Asian woman is the mayor of, of Boston right now. Oh, he's fine. Let's, he's, let's not presume he's happy or unhappy about anything. He's a racist. Come on. <laughs> sure. He's... Okay. Uh, anyway, Mark Wahlberg, is, <laughs> <laughs> Wahlberg aside. Uh, Jessica, what 1981 movie... Oh, um... Would you recommend uh, Possession? Would I recommend it? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So, uh, Joel, would you recommend Possession? Yes, but uh, I think you need to know what you're getting into. Like, I assume the people that listen to our podcast are the kind of people that have seen crazy stuff already. But, like, you know, somebody who watches only like the Marvel movies and stuff like that, I think you would have a hard time absorbing possession. That's not to say that you shouldn't watch it. Like, I think anyone should watch it, just not small children. No. Or so, large children. So you're saying. I don't discriminate. <laughs> so you're saying double feature with uh, Jurassic Park? I think a double feature with High Fidelity would be good. Okay. Oh, I, f- I forgot to bring this up. This is basically Godard's Contempt, but amplified. They they, mm. they they are pretty similar, but this is much better than Contempt. That's kind of a uh, he, um, Godard sucking him, sucking himself off, um, right? Uh, thing. Which, uh, uh, Jessica, don't you like Godard, or you like Alphaville? I do. Oh, I love Alphaville. Yeah. Okay. Well, Alphaville's good. That's fine. Yeah. That's. I mean, there are a couple of good arts. I, I forgot about that one. We were talking about that yeah. before. I like a woman as a woman as well. That one I'm less hot on. Yeah. Uh, like, the only one that I've seen that I really other, also struck me was 
two or two or three things I know about her, but I haven't watched it in like a decade. Yeah, I haven't seen a woman as a woman in forever, but I I love Alphaville. Okay, well, if my comment about um, Godar sucking himself off <laughs> was offensive, well, I, I apologize. But yeah. sometimes he can be a little like, okay, buddy, tone it down. I get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in that particular movie, I, yeah. now I like the idea of Heinrich being replaced with um, Godar, Jack Palance. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely a guy who could kick your ass. You see him doing those one-armed push-ups in yeah. the Oscars. I mean, the the monster is basically Jack Palance in contempt. Mm, yep. Well, no, I'd say the monster is actually... Um, well, what's the director that's in that movie? <laughs> oh, um, oh, Fritz Lang. Yeah, <laughs> Fritz Lang. The, the best part of contempt. Definitely. There, there's a lot of good things in that movie. It's just yeah, yeah. not. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you like, we're going to actually cover a recording of Godard tomorrow. Two or three things. I rewatched it, and you got some explaining to do because uh, I'm still not on board with that movie. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. That's it. 1981 movies. Um, we'll start with the guests. Uh, Jessica, what? 1981 movies would you recommend um two that i have just recently seen for the first time uh thief by michael mann um and dead and buried um a horror movie that i am newly obsessed with that i watched this weekend um and also in keeping with the theme of children named bob uh the house by the cemetery the fulci film so those are three 1981 movies i would recommend but that was an amazing year for movies so it was hard to pick Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh. I was gonna say everything with the, everything on my, I've seen it in 1981 list here is is pretty good with the exception of one thing. But uh, yeah, Spencer, what were you gonna say? Um, I'm a big John Borman fan. Borman is the best. Uh, Excalibur. Uh, it's my favorite like fantasy movie because it's not really a fantasy movie so it's, it takes out all the dumb fantasy shit I think is stupid and can't can't, can't get into and it's like uh, it, it, it's like has that Borman clash of giant ideas of like good versus evil and character stuff like yeah that's kind of backward he more cared about like kind of philosophical uh, ideas of like that clash and trying to wrestle and trying to figure out like how these ideas can coexist with each other and Excalibur is uh, is great. I think it's just a, a it's a it's a weird take on King Arthur, and probably my favorite take on King Arthur I've ever seen on film. Uh, um, the design it's a short film by Yuri Barta. I think all his short films are on YouTube. Uh, he does stop motion animation. And the, but the 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 design is him designing, um, uh, uh like a, a apartment building, but like it's but you see his hands designing and cutting stuff out when he's sound effects, and it's only about five minutes, but uh, I highly recommend. Basically, all of his short films are, I think, phenomenal. And uh, I think I hear a dog in the background. 
I'm sorry, that's my dog snoring. <laughs> it's, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, so Yuri Bart, I highly recommend just like watching basically all of his stop motion stuff. Some has a weird kind of off putting uh, aspect to it. Not to the extent of um, um, the Alice guy, Shrinkmeyer. Yeah, it's it's not to not to, not to like shrink my levels of off putting, but it still has like a kind of a creepy factor to, like the look and the feel of his animation. And last one, because uh, we talked about James Bond, uh, for your for your eyes only, more is my James Bond. That's like the realistic quote unquote uh, more one. It's uh. It's the le- it's kind of the least goofy of all of them, but I I really love it. it has some, some of my favorite Bond moments, and uh, I think that and that has like the uh, a great gag where the Bond car gets destroyed after one hit with a like with machete or something, and that wasn't there because people criticized the Bond films for having too many gadgets. And, re- and relied on the gadgets too much, so they decided to have like a super fancy car that gets destroyed in one hit, as like a, as a like some fan service. So like, okay, you don't want any fancy gadgets? Okay, we're gonna destroy all of it in one take. <laughs> and yeah, that's a way. Yeah, it's it's a really cool thing. Like once you learn the story of why that gag is there to begin with. <laughs> that seems right in in line with James Bond's gadgets sometimes going goofball yeah yep anything me yeah um i haven't seen anything special that hasn't ever been talked about before it's uh, fine to be basic one with the exception of one movie and this is not a recommendation this is the opposite of a recommendation this is a i wish i could go back in time and stop this movie from being made so that I would never have watched it and then done my episode of The Grind Bin on it. I, I mean, I've been on more than one episode of The Grind Bin at this point, but the first episode I was on was for a little movie called Texas Lightning. Oh, Cameron Mitchell. Yep, Cameron Mitchell and Maureen McCormick, a.k.a. Uh, what's her name from? Uh, oh, Marcia Brady. I- Marsha Brady. I remember this episode. Yeah. This movie shouldn't exist. (laughs) This is one of the worst fucking movies. And I'm usually not so angry about movies. This movie is so bad it makes me angry. It's... It's... Starts off as a bad comedy. Which is always bad. Like, you, you can make fun of bad horror movies. Make them good again. You can't do that with comedies, right? That's the classic thing. And then, with the second half, it becomes a weird-ass, like, Vietnam horror movie type thing. And I say Vietnam because you're supposed to be like, whoa, these are fucked up times, man. That Not because there's anything that has to do with Vietnam. But I feel like that's kind of like the feeling they were going for. Like, well, these screwed up. Like, people are really screwed up. And sometimes you take things too far. Like, 
the the dissonance between the two parts is so bad and there's an explanation they they the original cut of the movie was serious and so they added in jokes because they didn't because the audience didn't like it and uh, guess what that didn't fucking fix it <laughs> it to, i i, I want to tell somebody this is the kind of movie where i do want people to watch it because i want them to know how miserable it can make you feel so that we can commiserate together you might just want to go over to Grindbin and listen to the episode about Texas Lightning. But if you if you fucking dare, it's on Tubi, it's on Pluto, and it's on Amazon under the IMDb TV thing with ads. But I'm really telling you, you're better off just staring at the corner of a wall for the 91 minutes you'd have to waste on this movie. Wow. Serious stuff. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, <laughs> this will come, this episode will come out in early December, I think. Mid December? Uh, probably mid December. Like, oh, uh, this is uh, one of the last episodes we're recording because I'm going to take a long break because the last few weeks of the semester are happening so that means i gotta focus on college school stuff so this will be with the next two months of this recording i don't know when so let's say december jessica what's coming out for you in december oh in december i'll have um a new piece well God, it's so hard to tell. <laughs> I'm trying to think of my deadlines versus when things are going to be published. So just be on the lookout for things from me at FilmCred, at Daily Grindhouse, at Ghouls Magazine. Um, just come say hi to me on Twitter at we Who Walk Here, and I'll always post my writing and stuff. Um, I'm, I have a lot of different pieces at a lot of different places, and I'll always share them on my Twitter feed as well as any um, cosplay stuff I'm doing, because I'm kind of trying to ramp that up a bit just because it's so much fun for me. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I've also started writing for Manor Bellum and a couple of other places. Um, so I would just say, come say hi to me at we who walk here on Twitter, and I'll always be sharing my writing and stuff. Okay. Um, maybe I'll be my next episode of Movies from Hell will happen. Maybe not. I don't know. It'll be on animation. Um, <clears throat> probably Perfect Blue. And some check animation stuff. We're still talking uh, talking through what, what, what we're going to talk about. So, uh, I don't know. Also, I've been on Movies from Hell a bunch. I've been on um, the Grumpire podcast. I've been on Mustachio Podcastio. I've been on a lot of stuff this year, so you know, listen to those. And uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, J Dog. Uh, yeah. So arbitrary, indiscriminate movie podcast. Uh, hopefully by December we'll have all of the episodes that we've recorded so far. Uh, 
out. Uh, there are four movies in particular. Jackass 3D is the first one. Junior, second one. Junior. Then, uh, junior. And a couple of other ones. In, uh, you know, it's, it's me, Spencer. It's uh, Melanie Daniels, who we've had guest on here a couple of times. Just, it's a movie podcast in the sense that we watch a movie and then we talk about it. But there is no... Yeah, you know, kind of like this. There's no format, except that the tangents are basically encouraged. So if you want to just hang out with some buds, that's that's what this uh, arbitrary, indiscriminate movie podcast is all about. And, what uh, if it's be Arnold? We're making some more episodes pretty soon. <laughs> what if it was Arnold instead of Sam Neill? Wait, what? What if it was Arnold instead of Sam Neill in possession? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's really like uh, I'm trying to think like the problem. Uh, I don't think uh, Arnold's right for that part. Now, what? Maybe he could take over for Isabella Adjani. Okay, because he's got that intensity. You know, he'd, he'd be like, ah, he'd be the, <laughs> ah, my babies. He could be the creature. There's two sisters. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> one is Chance and one is Faith. Oh, and uh, Danny DeVito as uh, Sam Neill's part. See? Boom. Oh, yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. All right. We can't go out with John's tangent. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, Jessica, thank you for your time. You have an open invitation back here anytime. Oh, I'll thank I'll you so much. I'll tell you what the next season is when we're done recording. And... Cool. Um, this, around this time will be that I'll release the two or three two or three things episode, T- two or three things uh, with Joel, your friend, the the director, he has a uh-huh. couple movies out. Randall. Yeah. Yep. He's got a. Uh, oh, what is the name? I I actually I actually added his movie to Letterboxd. Let me see. Is it Monsters with N? Without? Without. But that's not the one I added. I the, wonder if that one's already in. The it. new short film we're talking about? Uh, here we go. Randall Randall Kamrat is his name. No, he has a previous movie called Far Away. That's uh, Oh, it's also on Tubi TV, if you want to watch. Uh, that came out in 2014. Yeah, he's, he's an indie filmmaker. Yep, he's got a new one called Monsters Without coming out. Uh, I mean, it's, it's playing in like festivals and stuff like that right now. And um, yeah, it's gonna be a fun guest. Oh, uh, yeah, this award winning short film that he actually, let's see, he directed called No Dogs has been getting a lot of buzz this year. I hate mm-hmm. saying words like buzz, but there's no other way to describe <laughs> it. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, Randall will make his grand return after like four years because he was on one of the first episodes we ever recorded. Actually, I think mm-hmm. the third or fourth episode we ever recorded. It was way way early on when I had no clue what to do. And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Less structure and more fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. See you guys for two or three things and. Maybe some other episode. I don't know yet.
The show can be found on Twitter at PianoPlayerPod. Our email is still HighLowPod at gmail.com. You can find a show on Spotify, Podbean, and various other places where you can find podcasts. Our intro music is by Vivian Fop, and our cover art is by Sarah Roberts. You can find her art, SarahKathleenRoberts.com, and thank you for listening.